Good morning, afternoon, evening, everybody. I'm Josh Warden on the Beaver Tales podcast, whatever time it is and wherever you're listening from. I appreciate you tuning in to the podcast where I talk with former Oregon State student athletes to hear about their playing days, the life lessons they've learned since leaving Oregon State, and what's most meaningful to them these days. And Jabrell Johnson is an interesting guest, both as an Oregon State football player but also what he does for a profession now. But first of all, Jabril Johnson, a linebacker, a true freshman in 2011, became a starter his last two years playing all three linebacker positions, very versatile as a defender, playing the final four years of the Mike Riley era. So he made a bowl game in 2013 and then finished out his senior year in 2014. His junior year was his best one. He was second on the team that year in tackles with 94 that season. He's kind of bounced around the country since then and has settled back in Oregon up in Portland as a police officer. So this was one of the main reasons I wanted to get Jabrell on was what is it like to be an African-American police officer right now? And I will acknowledge there is obviously a wide variety of opinions on the state of police officers and law enforcement today. And my goal in getting Jabrell on is not to push one particular side of an agenda, but simply just to hear one person's perspective. It, it generally helps me to hear a particular person's story, where they're coming from, and then I can make my own informed opinions or decisions about what I think should be the case, but it shouldn't hurt, hopefully, to hear one person's side and just what they've been through. Plus, we'll just talk about football, Oregon State, what he's gotten into afterwards. It's not super political or anything, but we, you know, I, we do talk about what it's like to be a police officer. I, I jump right into it and don't really hesitate to say, well, what's it been like being a police officer and being an African-American police officer the last few weeks, how that experience has been. So we do talk about that and his desires for what law enforcement could be, how he plays a role in that. He won't get too specific because he's got coworkers still in the game and he's, you know, still working alongside these people. So he's not trying to say anything too dramatic but he'll share what his true heart is and uh, hopefully you can gather some compelling and, and honest thoughts from Jabril Johnson in this and rehash his memories of playing for Mike Riley and the Oregon State football team about six years ago. Lastly, I want to mention a nonprofit that I like to give some exposure to, one of the variety of nonprofits that I'll give exposure on this podcast and hopefully direct some attention and perhaps even a donations is a children's garden is this charity that I'm very familiar with the two people who run this organization. Uh, I've talked about them before, so I won't go in the full explanation, but they're an amazing charity. They're based in the Philippines and they help kids uh, who are living on the street, get education and a place to live food and empowerment for whatever they do at the next stage of life. So if you've got any ability to donate or at least just check them out, I like to mention these nonprofits instead of advertisers, just to do a little bit of good and provide some help in this world, in this country and beyond. So if you check them out, childrensgarden.ph is the, the website. I'll get that link down in the description. All right, here's Jabrell Johnson, our next guest on the Beaver Tales podcast, former Oregon State football player. Hope you enjoy this conversation. Yeah, Jabril, let's start with last uh, last week you were working graveyard shifts and now you've switched to a more <laughs> conventional uh, time standard. So how did that go over the weekend to try to get yourself back into a normal sleep schedule? Uh, you know, normally it's, it's not as bad as it sounds. Uh, different shows for different folks, but normally I just uh, try to tough it out on my last or if you were my Fridays. Um I just try to tough it out, stay up as long as I can. 
then try to get normal sleep at nighttime, and then for the remainder days that I'm off, or for the remaining days that I'm off, I, uh, you know, it's, it's easy. So, uh, yeah, just tough it out the first <laughs> the yeah. first day you're off, and then uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a pretty easy process after that. Right. Well, it's been about six years now since you finished at Oregon State. About five years, Yikes. I guess. Cause, uh, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making you feel old. No, no, it was man, for real. It was the fall of 2014 was your senior year. So I guess you probably wrapped up in, in 2015. But take me through a little bit about what's kind of happened in your life, where you went, you know, in the last five years already. Yeah, it's crazy it's been that long. But uh, initially, right after college, um, I didn't register, so I needed to finish up my degree. So I was taking online classes, finishing up the degree while working for a nonprofit in Seattle, Washington. I uh, finished up my degree and uh, ended up moving to Texas. Uh, landed a job working for the state, um, helping people in social services. Um, did that for a little. That didn't work out, and I ended up going back to school at a community college, and I was pursuing a, uh, a nursing degree. Uh, I come from a family full of nurses, so... That's something that I was going to do because I honestly just didn't know what I wanted to do. And like you were saying earlier, as far as the identity, my identity was football. So it was just a time period where I needed to figure out what was going to be beneficial for me. So going back to school allowed for me to do that. But in the process, uh, I ended up landing the job being a diabetic technologist. Um, and that allowed for me to travel all over the United States. Um, working with diabetic patients and pretty much running a test on them and sending their results to their primary care physicians. And then uh, I always knew I had a passion for being a, a police officer, detective, to be honest. But you can't just be a detective. You have to work your way up or not with a police officer. So after two years on that job, I started putting in applications for being a police officer and landed a job here in Oregon. Gotcha. Well, that kind of brings us up to date where you're at now, uh, living up in Portland. What, which uh, exact you know department are you in? Do you spend time in a particular county, Multnomah County, right in the heart of downtown Portland, or where are you at exactly? I'm in Clackamas County. Uh, I work for an apartment in Clackamas County. Gotcha. Well, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you is partly about your football career, but also just to talk about, gosh, what is it like to be a police officer right now the last three weeks or month or so? So take me through maybe, you know, some ways that the job has changed or just the experience of being in the police department, conversations you've had with fellow officers, interactions you've had with civilians, just being on the job. What has that been like over the last few weeks? Gotcha. So, um... I have to say that I'm speaking on my behalf and my behalf only just because, you know, I want to keep myself separate from my department. So I probably won't go too in far depth sure. with that question, but, uh, you know, I'll cover um, the majority. I feel like that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the conversations have been, you know, we understand and we empathize with the people, um, you know, because situations like that happen in Minneapolis, my personal belief, I don't think it was justified. I think that was, extremely um, unnecessary. Uh, so you have those types of situations. And if you will, you always hear the term bad apple. So that situation was like a bad apple. And I feel like a lot of police officers are good police officers like myself and everyone in my department. Um, you know, we, we, are, we take the responsibility, I guess, or we take the blunt of, um, you know, the repercussions. So 
that's pretty much where I stand with that. Um, you asked a few questions in that whole thing, so I want to make sure I address each and every one of them. Uh, being a police officer right now in today's climate is, you know, it, it's, it's an honor. Don't get me wrong, it's still an honor, but it's a lot of other things that are, uh, a lot of other emotions and feelings that I'm feeling right now due to, you know, you have people wanting to defund the police. You know, out of frustration, I understand that, but at the same point in time, I also know that there's a good amount of people that would like to keep the police and, you know, respect the police. But so, in a sense, I guess in a nutshell, you can say I understand why people are doing certain things to try to create some type of, uh, I don't know, restructure of how we do it. I, uh, the training or whatever the case may be. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we don't know where it's going to go from here, but I just want to, you know, be positive and let other people know that there are positive police officers out there. And, you know, me and my department, we strive to be uh, those positive police department, mm-hmm. uh, police officers. Yeah. A lot of what determines how you'd act as a police officer is the people who, raised you, the people who mentored you, the people who poured into you and made you the person you are today. And and whoever you are as a person, that's how you're going to be as a police officer, at least in part. And so I'm curious whether it's the, you know, the Mike Riley's of the world or the Mark Bankers or, you know, football coaches, your family, your friends, you know, how how did you develop, let's say even at Oregon State and, and maybe Mike Riley in particular, because he you know, a lot of football players got really close to him, not just as a coach, as a, but as a as a person. And so I'm interested right. maybe in your relationship with Mike Riley or, or other, whoever else kind of mentored you, um, you know, especially at Oregon State. And how did you develop into the type of person who wants to work for a nonprofit in Seattle, wants to help people with diabetes, wants to become a police officer, a detective, these sorts of things that you're passionate about? Who helped pour right. into you? Well, I think one thing I should address is the fact that before, even before college, I mean, you go to college at 18, on average, 18 years old. So I feel like a lot of the stuff is already instilled in you. A lot of, the, you know, your morals, your, your character, things like that. But I will say Coach Riley and his staff did, um, you know, they did, they, they weren't, how can I put this? They reinforced everything that I already stood for in a sense. Um, you know, they want you to have good character. They didn't tolerate nonsense, things of that nature. So I definitely uh, commend them for that. People that I say had a positive effect on me, the coaching staff did, uh, taught me some valuable lessons, um, despite whatever the case may have been, positive or negative, um, taught me a lot of lessons. And then also Scott Spiegelberg, um, he was head of the Beyond Football Program, which basically allowed for student-athletes um, to seek other options outside of football. If football doesn't work for you, what are you going to do from this point on? So him opening up that whole realm and getting me exposed to different people, introducing me to other people, and things of that nature was extremely helpful. So I appreciate him and that. Uh, academic counselors, they were pretty helpful. Um, you know, I still believe things can be tweaked, you know, to make it a better experience, but uh, for the most part, uh, you know, the academic side of things definitely helped out. Yeah, definitely. There's a, you know, a couple other questions on this topic I'll touch on, and then we'll come back to some of your playing mm-hmm. career stuff and football and that sort of thing. But I'm curious about right. when you when you kind of had law enforcement as an option and, and thought of that. It wasn't necessarily always your dream. You had some other ideas, like you said. But um, 
Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like when you were growing up in Texas, you grew up in Colleen, Texas, how many huh? officers there growing up or even, yeah, when you were growing up, how many police officers that you saw were African-American when you were growing up? Did you see that as a model a lot? Not really, to be honest. I did kind of see that a lot. Um, and you always hear about, you know, the, the, I don't know, you hear complaints about how law enforcement is predominantly white and how the change could be created by African-Americans joining the force. Uh, so, you know, me hearing that growing up and also falling in love with TV shows like First 48, solving crimes like that. I just, you know, took a toll on me, and that's something that I always wanted to do at a young age. Of course, NFL was, you know, primary, but I know in the back of my head, if it didn't pan out, that's something that I want to work towards. Right. So then for you to join a force, even in Oregon, where it's even more white than than any police yeah. office department you saw in Texas, and even there, you say it was it was predominantly white. Do you feel like you have maybe a part to play, an ability to, to bring – a different voice, a different perspective to Oregon, not to put too much weight in your shoulders because to say, well, any, you know, black people who come police officers, they can fix the system. Well, that's too much of a burden to put on you or, or anyone else, but for what it's worth, what do you think you could bring to the table being a police officer who is not, I don't want to say just another white police officer, but like you said, it would help perhaps to have some diversity. So how do you think you could help the, 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 Portland Police Department or broader, not just now, but but over the course of wherever your career takes you? Well, I would just, before I answer this, I want to take me out of the equation and just speak on a general base. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like I said, right now, this climate that we're living in, I'm not going to devil and dab like that. Um, but I will say um, I've been in situations where I pull people over that are minorities, um, and they are just happy that fact that they see a, a African-American cop pull <laughs> I actually had this one lady tell me, you know, I don't care if you give me a ticket. She actually was crying, so I asked her, why are you crying? And she's like, to be honest, I don't care if you give me a ticket. Um, I'm just, you know, comfortable and happy that it's someone that's colored pulling me over and I feel safe during this traffic stop. And it's just a situation like that. And I commend all of my officers. I learned from officers that were, you know, um, white and they, you know, they do a great job. There's nothing against them. I'm not saying anything about that, but I'm just saying if we could see a little bit more diversity in the uh, the field in general, uh, I think it would have a positive uh, a positive outcome with the the community. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. And you speaking on some topics that aren't the easiest to talk about, and not the easiest time to do that. But these are the sorts of conversations oh, yeah. that that I want to have and and I don't want to shy away from that but it's also fun to talk about sports and and your memories at Oregon State and, and highlights there because like you said that's a lot of what shaped you and and football gave a foundation for that so I mean you said even earlier when we talked uh football was a big part of your identity and you had to figure out something to to fix that to replace that afterwards so take me back to when you still could play football when you still had eligibility in college and you're you know chasing down Pac-12 running backs back in your days at Oregon State how big did football get for you you know how much of your life did it consume uh as far as you know some of those big moments at Oregon State five six seven years ago well Football, I, as any D1 athlete knows, whatever sport you go to uh, and play, uh, especially football, you're gonna it's going to consume your, your life. That's just what it is from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep. It's all around football. So 
uh, it t- definitely took up a whole uh, a lot, the majority of my schedule. Um, and it was just a sacrifice I was willing to make. And then the good times were great. And, you know, the low times were low. But, you know, I wish we would have saw more success in the years I was there. But um, I definitely enjoyed the time while I was there. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of uh, sacrifice that I was willing to make. And uh, I enjoyed the, the positives that came from it. For sure. There, yeah, there's one specific part of your career I want to touch on because after your true freshman season, when you play 10 games, so you're getting a good amount of time, not too much playing time each game, but you're you're in the mix, uh, some special teams, linebacker, that sort of stuff. But it was after your true freshman year where you wanted to add some muscle, you want to be prepared for your sophomore season, so you're pounding protein shakes, you're lifting weights, you're getting extra meals, and you get up to 235 but in retrospect, you realize that actually wasn't what you needed. So what, what went wrong before your sophomore year, and then how did you fix that as you went forward? So I, I'll be a completely honest. I saw an interview where Coach Banker stated that I was uh, out of shape or whatever for my sophomore year. But, I mean, if that's how it feels, I'm I, um, I, probably around 230. I'm probably around the, still around the same weight. Uh, but I believe some pressure came uh, once I was um, my junior year, once they got to see who I was. I know a uh, little bit of the media was asking why come they had never saw me, and Coach Banker stated something along the lines of I was out of shape the previous year. I don't agree with that. I think that was just something to, like, to cover up, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't change up anything if that, mean, if that makes a difference. I just was – Still working out hard, doing the same thing I did going into my junior year. There was just some um, some unfortunate injuries that allowed for me to get some exposure and, uh, and show what I was capable of doing. Um, nothing was different, though. Mm. That's interesting because that seemed like the narrative of the article was, you know, Jabrell Johnson bursts onto the scene junior year you know, becomes one of the starting linebackers. So where was this guy's mm-hmm. sophomore year? And it was, well, he was figuring out his physique. He, he wanted to bulk up. Maybe he yeah. went too far <laughs> and he got too big yeah. and he had to kind of tone it back down. But you're saying ah, that wasn't the case. Definitely wasn't the case. Uh, I wish they could ask other players that were there. It was just, hey, they had their guys that they wanted to play. Um, and when they weren't able to play, uh, you know, I was the next guy up, and I showed what I was capable of doing, and fans liked it and put the coaches in a position where they had to either play me or listen to fans complain. So that's just what it was, and I showed what I was capable of doing, and yeah, yeah, ran with it. So your junior and senior year, you did run with it. You were second on the team in tackles in 2013. That'd be your junior year. You had 94 stops that year you start again your senior year so you finish out your career in a pretty high note were there any maybe one game that stood out as, as your your favorite game or a favorite moment perhaps a particular play uh, what stands out from your junior or senior years where you're getting a lot of playing time yeah my junior year probably was the best to be honest just from like hearing it from uh, you know the locker room talk I guess you can say junior year was better for me because it allowed for me to actually play without Having the, uh, I don't know, I was able to play the way I wanted to play, um, play a little bit more freely. I would have had the most tackles on the team, but they switched up the, they switched up the defense that we were running, so I didn't, you know, I didn't have it that year. And then going in senior year, they were stuck in a bind trying to play, rotate uh, Mike Doc and myself. So 
uh, it ended up hurting us in the long run because our stats were cut down. Um, yeah, but anywho, um, my junior year, the interception against Arizona State was pretty a great feeling, um, to be honest. It was in a nickel or dime formation, which I didn't really get to see a lot of my senior year due to Michael Doctor returning. Um, so, yeah, my junior year was by far my favorite year. Yeah, there was there were some good years, some good wins that that Arizona State won. I mean, Michael Doctor's uh, pick six, oh, yeah. your, your interception. I mean, oh that... yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me and Mike, we talk about it all the time. I spoke to him probably like I don't know three weeks ago. Um, yeah, we we talk about good stuff like that, the good old days, and how it all went down. Yeah, so, yeah. There were some good Definitely memories. Some good times. Uh, last thing, kind of on that era, what do you remember? Mm-hmm. Your senior year was Mike Riley's final year, so your your last game was his last game. What do you remember of hearing him leaving and and hearing? Wait a minute, Mike Riley's gone. I mean, what's, what's your recollection of that moment? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was. I don't know. It seemed a little surreal because you know you think Oregon State, you think Mike Riley automatically. Um, so you hear, you know, the very. I don't know. I don't know if it was the very next day or it was pretty soon after we lost against um, our last game against Oregon. You know, you got the media was at Oregon State, blah, blah, blah. Coach Riley announced he was going to Nebraska. Coaches were leaving. And so, I don't know. It was surreal. Um, I don't really necessarily, I don't know. Dealing with coaches switching in and out, you know, you get people that get the short end of the stick. I know, you know, we went through that process where the upcoming seniors, you know, some of them lost their scholarships, um, you know, dealing with the new coaches coming in. So it was just a real unfortunate time for us. And then it also gave me the feeling like, you know, you see Quiz and James Rogers, they come back all the time, but they also came back to coaches that they are familiar with. You know, Coach Riley was there when they were there. But then after I left, Coach Riley's all the way in Nebraska. So I don't know these well, I think Coach Anderson, I don't have a relationship or rapport with him or his staff, so I just felt as if, you know, I didn't, not necessarily I didn't belong, but it just wasn't, it wouldn't be the same as me going back with Coach Riley and his staff, you know. Yeah. So I pretty much didn't, I didn't show up. Um, and it's just now, well, we got, uh, you know, our new coaching staff that came in, um, and there's still some players that, I, that are like GAs or have coaching positions there. Now I feel a little bit more comfortable showing my face and, you know, doing things like that. Sure. Yeah. Last couple of things. You mentioned a mm-hmm. hope of becoming a detective. What What's the, yeah. uh, what's the standard, like wh- what would it take for you to go from where you're at somewhat recently becoming a cop to becoming a detective? What does it take for you to get mm-hmm. to that level? Uh, it takes years of experience, years of being hit to, you know, situations, uh, it takes people retiring, uh, <laughs> It takes actual crimes that, so I want to be a homicide detective. So that's another thing that I have to take in consideration. You know, homicides have to be, you know, it's just, it's a multiple, it's multiple things that you, you know, that have to take place. But uh, years of experience and, you know, time is uh, basically, you know, becoming seasoned to the streets and things like that, seasoned to the job to know how to do it efficiently. And, you know, so just time pretty much. A lot of people wouldn't have the stomach to be a, a homicide detective. I, I'm in that group myself. Even a lot of cops maybe <laughs> would shy away from that. So why why that in particular is your goal? Well, like I said, First 48 inspired me a lot growing up. Um, and then also you said you mentioned the stomach thing. Uh, 
being a police officer on the streets, you see stuff that, you know, you get a feeling whether you're able to do it or not right then and there. It's all types of crazy stuff that you're exposed to that you have to, you know, keep your professionalism and know how to handle the situation. So I figure after having a few years um, on the streets as a police officer, you develop some type of, I don't know, a stronger stomach and uh, you're able to, you know, handle those situations and, you know, be able to do your job efficiently. For sure. All right. Final question. Just kind of wrap it all up and put a, put a bow tie on it. We've talked a lot about your time at Oregon state, things that went right, things that went wrong, what you've done ever since then. And, you know, maybe that's prepared you for a similarly tenuous career in the police department where, you know, not everything goes right and you got to handle situations with the best care you can. So, when you think about everything that, you know, Oregon State prepared you with and what you're doing now and what your goals are, what advice might you give, let's say yourself, when you first came to Oregon State, 2011, what what might you tell yourself to prepare you for what was to come based on the things you've learned since then? What, what have you learned and what would you share? In a nutshell, I would say don't take anything personal and understand that it's a business. That's it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> you're gonna learn, you're gonna learn a ton of things. It's gonna make you the man that you're gonna become in a few years. Don't take it personal. Just understand it's a business, and just probably elaborate a little bit further on the business and what to expect. Sure. I mean, that's ne- it's necessary to have thick skin as a football player, as a police officer. You oh, can't yeah. let everything get to you. <laughs> nah. Yeah, you can't let that happen. You let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> Bad business. But, yeah. Uh, well, thanks for joining me, Jabrell. It's fun to hear about that, and best of luck through uh, the next few weeks, months, and years of, of your job, and, and hopefully you can uh, watch Oregon State make it back to a bowl game for the first time since you were running around and playing. So thanks for talking with me, Jabrell. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, there's Jabrell Johnson here on the Beaver Tales podcast, former Oregon State linebacker. You could tell that, you know, more than most guys, oftentimes when I talk about highlights and playing career, we really only touch on the glossy, fun memories. And we did talk about some of that with Jabrell, but he wasn't shy to say, you know what, this didn't go right. I didn't like that. But you could tell that it also improved him, that he was able to build thick skin from, you know, maybe he didn't feel like he got enough playing time or didn't feel like his playing style or talents were aptly appreciated or whatever it may be, but you know, he didn't, he didn't speak out. He wasn't a a toxic member of the locker room as, as far as I could, could tell. And, and he learned from that. And, and I think that'll serve him well going forward in, in a job that, you know, is not the easiest one to be in for a variety of reasons, but I hope that he can help bring change and positive momentum into a much needed area, whether that's in Oregon, where he's at in Portland or wherever in the world. So it's fun to hear from his perspective and meaningful, honestly, to, to just hear what his heart is and who he hopes to be, how he hopes to bring change to his community. A lot more good episodes to come from a variety of sports, uh, kind of slowing down on baseball. I've done a whole lot of baseball guys were shifting away um, to some, whether it's football or volleyball or soccer, whatever it may be, hoping to really provide a, a diverse look at what Oregon State athletes have been up to, what they've done since Oregon State, and hope you enjoy all these conversations on the Beaver Tales podcast. I'm Josh Warden. Until next time, I hope you have a good night and go Beavs.